0: Hey everybody, today on The Multiply Podcast, we're discussing the role of friendship in making disciples. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to The Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name
1: is David, and you all are now living in a world where Liverpool Football Club are the champions of England, the champions of Europe, and the champions of the world.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our gracious sponsors, Liverpool Football Club. You never walk alone. Which have have agreed to give us a large amount of money Mm -hmm. in support of this podcast. Yep. Said no one ever. (laughs) Although that would be nice. Yeah, David, go ahead and gloat for a minute. You're, uh, you know, not many of our listeners care about this, but go ahead.
1: It's been a 30-year wait, 30 years since they've lifted the league trophy. And uh, they finally did it this year, and they did it in stunning fashion, winning the league by 18 points. Three seasons in a row, they have not lost a match at home.
0: Wow. that's. Uh...
1: And this season they had, um, well, let's, let's see, they play 38 games, so 19 at home. They had 18 wins, one draw, and no losses. And if they hadn't had that draw, they would have been the first team in forever to win every home game.
0: It sounds like they kind of failed a little bit. Well, they clinched the
1: title early, and then they did kind of coast to the end. And, and a- along the way, they lost the opportunity to set some records. But, hey, listen, when you've waited 30 years to see them lift that trophy, it doesn't matter that the stadium was empty when they did it. it doesn't matter that they didn't break the records. It's just such a relief and joy. And so. if you
0: don't know what he's talking about, Liverpool is a uh, soccer club, yeah. or as our, as our European brothers would say. Football. Football, yes. Um, so David is a fan, and um, he's trying to convert me. But uh, we're excited for you, man. We're happy yeah. for you. I've and even ha-
1: given Jared a Liverpool Football Club jacket to yeah. try to convert him.
0: I mean, it didn't fit you anymore, but yes. Well. Or you didn't like it. Besides the point.
1: Yeah. It fit me funny.
0: But I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> well, we're excited to be back. we got another episode. And speaking of um, Liverpool, you never walk alone, which is their theme. And you and I, today we're going to talk about friendship.
1: Mm, another Another brilliant segue.
0: That's one of the things I'm great at. That's why I'm here.
1: <laughs> this has got to become our new routine that no matter what we talk about the opening, you got to segue it into our topic.
0: <laughs> yes, we want to talk about friendship, friendship. And in particular.
1: Let's all get together on the, fr- let's get on board on the friendship.
0: Let's get on the friendship. Yeah. I like that. Um, in particular, we want to talk about the role of friendship in disciple making. Yeah. The heart of this podcast, we talk about leadership, we talk about discipleship. And this is a topic that I'm pretty pumped to talk about because I actually think it's one of the most overlooked um, aspects of making disciples. And it's um, one of the things that the church is the worst at, and it's also one of the most needed things, in my opinion. Hmm.
1: Wow, you really raised the stakes there.
0: I did. I did. And so I'm I'm excited to dive in today. So before we dive in, uh, I want to start with a quote by you. You once said, Jared is the greatest friend I've ever had, and I've ever been witness to. I long to one day be as good a friend as he is to me. What did you mean when you said that?
1: It's hard to say because I think you just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, maybe I did. Nice try, though. Yeah. You are a good friend, though. Thank you. You come... To my house and help me do things sometimes. And to me, that's a good friend because I'm useless around the house. <laughs> I have helped in you. In fact, we got some pavers that we got to move here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to help. Yeah. Well, let's dive into this topic, man. Let's yeah. talk about friendship a little bit. So, um, the role of friendship in making disciples, and just to provide kind of some larger framework for the conversation, uh, you know, we talk about discipleship as the, really the journey of learning to follow Jesus, Um Our formal definition that I'm most familiar with or that I use most frequently is it's discipleship is moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel in every area of our lives, changing what we love and how we live. However, the sort of working out of discipleship happens in real life in relationship with each other. And so um, I was thinking we could talk about this from the lens of what does it look like to disciple somebody to Jesus, you know, sort of let's call it pre-conversion discipleship, and what does it look like to disciple someone in Jesus post-conversion? And, you know, what role does friendship play in that? So, first, friendship as it relates to discipling someone to Jesus. And, and I guess years ago they would have called this, and maybe still today, friendship evangelism. You've heard that term, right? Yeah. So there's, like, different forms of evangelism. There's a class out there that teaches, like, confrontational evangelism, which is, you know, yelling at people and telling them they're turn or burn. Right. I think it's been proven to not be the most effective uh, form yeah, I'm not saying there's never a time for there may it. Have been a,
0: there may have been a time in history where it was more effective, but yeah. probably not now.
1: Yeah, these are the guys on the street corners when you're walking towards a arena for a football game or something, you know, or a basketball game, and they're out there yelling and, right. hey, who knows what God will use, but that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, then there's uh, even just a sort of a intellectual form of evangelism, maybe like a more apologetics driven, like making a case for the faith, um, dealing with some of the... Objections that culture has to the Christian worldview. Um, there's invitational evangelism, which is mostly like, hey, we'd like you to come to an event or to a church service or to a, hear a gospel presentation. But friendship evangelism essentially assumed that you have a pre existing relationship with someone and you're using, uh, well, using is probably not the right word, you're looking for opportunities in that friendship to point them towards Jesus. And so I, that's what I would think of when I think of discipling someone to Jesus, is that I'm looking for opportunities in an existing friendship to point them to the hope that I have. In your experience with this, um, what are some of the mistakes people make sometimes when they think about this idea of having friends who aren't Christians and sharing their lives with them?
0: Well, I think the first mistake is actually (laughs) thinking—I don't want to be overcritical, but I think the first mistake is the idea of friendship evangelism. Because what you just said, in my opinion, is the goal of every friendship. Hmm. My job as a friend is to help point you close, more towards Jesus, more towards his mission, more towards who he's created you to be. That's my job as a friend. Like I, I like to think of it this way. And, and I heard Keller talk about this in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. But I also think it applies to friendship, which is, in marriage, he says, your job is to help your spouse become the person God wants them to be. And I think that's true of friendship. That's my job, is to help the person that I'm friends with become the person God wants them to be. Um, but And, and that applies to every every friendship. That's the goal of friendship. And I benefit from that, you know, yeah. but... but I don't enter friendship for my own benefit. I enter it ultimately because it's what God has made me for. It's who God has made me to be.
1: So is that different than someone saying that the only purpose for any friendship with an unbeliever is to lead them to a point of conversion? Is that a, is that different? because like, sometimes um, Christians might be accused of seeing friendship only as a means to an end, and the friendship only has value if it leads to this conversion moment and of course we want everyone to place their faith and trust in Jesus because we know that's the the that is the path towards flourishing and to being the you that God created you to be but is there a difference between those two mindsets?
0: Yeah there's a total difference because and, and what you're saying is there's an end goal which is some sort of conversion moment pray
1: a prayer right yeah, right whatever
0: that looks like what I'm talking about is my mindset as to who what my role is in this world and who God's called me to be to the people around me and the byproduct of that is Jesus transforms hearts along the way as I live out his mission so when I am when I think about who am I as a friend to the people that I'm friends with and I'm I don't I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I want to help them become the person that God wants them to be. So that looks differently depending on the people that I'm interacting with, but the mission is the same. Yeah. The example I'll give is my friendship with you, and then right now I'm I'm building a friendship with my neighbor who who moved in about a year ago, who is not a who is not a Christian. How I how I interact with both of you, the conversations that we have are very different. Um, I just just recently, so my neighbor I I wanted to really become friends with him. I was praying for moments and opportunities with God. And of course, I want him to know who Jesus is because in my mind, that's the greatest hope in the world. That's the thing that will provide freedom. It'll, it's the best thing, but I'm called to just love him and serve him in the way Christ loved and served me and help him become who God wants him to be. Mm. And so those principles have driven me to just help him out. You know, he had to cut a tree down. I went over and I was like, helped him for two days and. Um, and just had conversations with them, all kinds of stuff. And we we recently had our first talk about God. Now, with you, my relationship is di- like we're we're talking about church, we're talking about family, we're talking right. about God. It's a lot different. However, if if I step back, the mission is still the is same the basic same. purpose for right. the, for these meaningful human. Relationships, right?
1: I want to I want to just highlight something you said because you went through it quick. But actually, this morning when I was thinking about this topic, I realized that I don't do I don't do a great job of something you said quickly, which is you were praying for opportunities to have um, to meet that person or to bec- make that person your friend um, or to uh, I forget exactly how you said it, but I realized that you know God has placed a lot of families in our life um, who. Um, are varying levels in their faith in Christ. You know, I, I can't say for sure they're, they're not Christ followers. I don't know everything about their lives and their hearts, of course, but um, they're in our lives through, a lot of times it's through friendships uh, that our children have with other children, right? Not, especially when you get into the public school system and whatnot. And I found myself this morning just saying, I, I, I really value those friendships, and not just because I think I'm going to convert them someday, but I value them because I, I like these people And and God's given me a love for them, his love for them. And like you're saying, I think there's a path of flourishing. And the more you get to know someone, the more you hear the ways in which the frustrations of their lives point to their need for the hope and rest and truth that is found in Christ. But I don't pray for them enough. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't diligently pray for these couples and these families by name and say, God, bless them and strengthen them and protect them and draw their hearts towards you. And I, re- I just was kind of convicted of that this morning as I was praying. And so I was, I was glad you said that. I didn't want us to skip past it because the idea that friendship apart from prayer support and, and regularly praying— I mean, I think that is a key thing of discipling someone as a friend is that you're praying for them regularly. You've committed to pray for them.
0: Yeah. Well, I, so with my neighbor, this recently happened, which is cool, is I had been praying initially to have opportunity to build relationship. And then as we started to become more friends— and I got his number, and we were we were texting back and forth. I was like, God, I want I want to pray for moments to talk about you. You know, there's this shift where where you move from just talking about interests to then talking about life, like real life. And it's hard to divorce conversations about God from real life moments. You know. Yeah. And so I was praying, and uh, not long after that, um, he had come over to help me fix something in my house, and it kind of. It was supposed to be like a five-minute project. It ended up taking hours, which seemed like, gosh, this is falling <laughs> apart. But we end up driving to his work, and it, we end up having this big conversation, which he initiated about God. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was amazing. Like in the moment, I realized, like, wow, this is what I was praying for. and um, And it wasn't an end-all, be-all, but it was— to me, it's diving into the deeper issues of life. It's yeah. it's friendship getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And yeah. so it was, it was a cool answer to prayer.
1: And you don't get there without shared experience, uh, extended time together, right? Like just waving to your neighbor every morning as you take the trash out or go to get the mail in the afternoon. Like this requires an investment of time. And you mentioned that your willingness to go and help your friend take a tree down over the course of two days and again, the motivation, not so much because now he owes me a listening—now uh, he, he owes me a hearing of the gospel. Instead, it's just like God's given me a heart to love people and serve people. And he's, he's my physical neighbor, but he's also my neighbor in the way that Jesus defines a neighbor, which is I have an opportunity to serve him. And, you know, I think that's— we, my wife and I, as we try to come alongside other families in our journey of life. And, and your journey of life has a way of defining your friendship circles, right? So yeah. our daughter has special needs. So now we have a friendship circle of parents that have kids with special needs. Our, one daughter plays lacrosse, and now we're having friendships with families that have daughters that play lacrosse. and that all. But I think God sets it up, and he uses that so that our lives intersect in such a way that we can, with our lives, with our words, with our presence, with our kindness, point them in some way toward christ and also trust him that he'll as we're faithful to pray and be present he'll give us those opportunities and sometimes you you might be you might be friends with somebody for years and not have like the most clearest opportunity uh, maybe you even invited them to come out to church on a strategic time like a easter sunday or christmas and they haven't been able to come but a lot of times when people go through crisis go through really hard times if you're a friend they're going to, they're going to come to you. You're going to be able to walk them through that and you're going to be able to model for them or they'll see you walk through a crisis and they'll see, wow, this person has roots in something deeper than I personally can experience. And I think as Christians, if there's something beautiful about our lives, it has actually an evangelistic effect. Um, and it helps us disciple people to Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really huge. And, um, one of the ways that I like to think about it is the idea of bringing heaven to earth. Mm. Like if, if, so if you think about friendship and, and, and really just what's my job as a Christian is to model what would, well, if heaven was on earth, what would it look like? And part that's different for different people. And this is a, this is one of the things I think is key, especially like when you're talking about being friends with people who are not believers, what that looks like is um, you've got to find out what, what heaven on earth would look like for them, and what I mean by that is, as you build relationship with them and you listen to their hearts, you learn what matters to them, yeah, and what's important to them, their values, their values, what they love most, right, yeah, and what what um what things they've been hurt by, hmm. and how you can show them um, the gospel in the way that you're not. You're, you're different And so the best example again with my neighbor is As I was before helping him cut his tree down I was talking to him a few times And I started to realize this theme Where he had been burned by friendship in the past Where he said you know people would People would say they want to hang out But then they wouldn't show up Or when when I needed them They wouldn't really be there And I had all these friends And I always desired And so I, I realized that And then so the day he comes comes by and he actually mentioned to my wife that, Hey, I'm cutting a tree down tomorrow. I, you know, if you guys want to help out, that'd be awesome. If not, I totally understand for me. I realized because I listened, this is a big deal. Like if I don't, this is a moment where if I don't show up and I'm not here a hundred percent, not that he would have had issue with it, but it's an opportunity for me to show him yeah. what heaven coming to earth would look like in terms of friendship. And so the next day I was there and I stayed all day till the project was done. It wasn't quite done. He's like, Well, I'm gonna finish up tomorrow. I was like, dude, I'll be back tomorrow. And his face, his reaction was like, Whoa, are you serious? And I could just tell, like, it it displayed something to him. And that's what I mean. That but that's Mm. different. Not not for everybody would be the same thing. You gotta listen, you gotta learn. Nobody wants me helping them cut a tree down. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
1: Or doing anything that involves tools. But if you need help like choosing an item off a menu. Right. Um, you're there. Yeah. Or, um, using a tactical shotgun on Fortnite. Oh yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's really good. And, and again, it's, it's an overflow of a heart that has recognized. And I spree- I spoke on friendship this past Sunday in church. And at the end, I said, the real place we find the motivation to be this sort of friend to people is in realizing that Jesus has made us friends with God and what he's done. So we can, my main points were that we lift each other up, we speak up for each other, and we look out for each other. And I said, the reason why we often don't do that is because we're too busy lifting ourselves up and speaking up for ourselves and looking out for ourselves. The only real motivation to stop doing that as much as human beings do is to be deeply convinced that someone is always doing that for us already, right? And that's, of course, Uh, Jesus, uh, what he's done for us and what he's doing for us. So all that to say, your willingness to give up your day, two days, to lift up your neighbor and encourage him and help him is, is ultimately motivated because you've experienced the friendship of God, right? And so there's a motivation that's much deeper than an altruistic one, which is just like, uh, I think it's probably a kind thing to do. And I believe in karma. And if I do, if I'm nice to others, people will be nice to me, which is kind of like a secular view of being nice to people potentially, or it's just, you know, some, some randomly designed set of moral values. I should follow these. Right. Uh, Or the Christian sense of like, uh, I need to do it because, you know, if, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Right. There's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a way to kind of balance that out or hit the middle of that and just love a friend because of the love you've experienced
0: through Christ. So do you feel like then, David, what I hear you saying is it's it's lack of gospel belief that prevents us or gets in the way of us doing this?
1: Yes. I think it's lack of gospel identity, which comes out of gospel belief, that prevents us from um, really friending those who are not maybe like us don't have things you know there can be a form of religion where we want to surround ourselves with people who think the way we think and go to you know also or have the same set of values and morals that we do or same political views that we have and christianity gospel identity roots you so deeply in christ that you can reach into other pockets of I, uh, you know, um, identities, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but you can reach out of your, your sort of personal sense of self and reach into other people because you're rooted in Christ. And I think, so yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And then gospel uh, belief also causes you to realize, um, I want to be prayerful about opportunities to share the hope that I have. And so when you're discipling someone to Jesus— when the when the spirit prov- provides the opportunity for conversation you want to be listening to what the spirit is saying and being able to share your story and this is who Christ is to me and this is why i believe what i believe and this is why i live the way that i live and share it also in a way that's humble and gracious and doesn't make you the hero yeah. but lifts Christ up as the hero
0: so before we move on to like what it, what it looks like post maybe conversion experience you just touched on something you said like you share how we live share. Could you share us a little bit on the idea of the difference between like when I grew up and and maybe you're a little bit older than me, but you probably share this. Easy. Yeah, that's right. You're a lot older than me. Um, there was this belief that you live out your Christianity by how you are different than the other people around you by the things you don't do. Mm. So the difference between me and my neighbor who I'm trying to disciple is I don't do the bad stuff that he does versus I'm different in the the things that I do do that mimic who Jesus is and mimic what heaven come to earth would look like.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I can think of times where people thought that they were evangelizing at work because they were telling people not to swear around them. Right. That's... Seems extreme. Then again, maybe it's not extreme. Maybe it's normative in some circles. And you know, I mean, I guess to be fair for them, it's a stand for righteousness. But what if C.S. Lewis is right about friendship, and I think he is—that friendship is built on a shared love for something else. It's hard to build a meaningful friendship by highlighting the ways in which you're different, right? Yeah. And the things that you don't agree on, and and then also creating this, feeding this sense of superiority and spiritual. Elitism, because you're better than these, you know, heathens who don't go to church right. on Sunday and say these words and go to these places. And so I think you're better off focusing in on the sort of the gospel uh, values that you've based your life on. And the way in which, like, a big thing I think that people will notice is the way you respond to circumstances in life, right? Mm. So I remember one time I was on the sidelines of a lacrosse clinic. And I was talking to a dad who was asking about our family. And by the way, that's a big part. This needs to be said. It's super practical, but you got to get great at asking questions because people suck at asking questions. And if you're good at asking questions, it's going to open up so many meaningful friendships and conversations because people just aren't used to being asked good questions and having good conversation. Hmm. Um, And so he was asking about Maddie and I shared... Let me ask you a question about that. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) <laughs> he, I was sharing about the start of Maddie's life which was very dramatic and she has cerebral palsy and, and he kept like he was trying to sympathize with me but the way in which he was doing it was he kept saying oh it makes me so angry I'm so angry for you and I'm so angry about this and so angry that she has cerebral palsy and I realized like that's not the way I feel about it yeah. you know it's not something I would have chosen for her and I, I had the opportunity it's not someone I see regularly or even really know very well. We only really had one or two conversations, but I had the opportunity to say, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, we, we've walked through some of our emotions as it relates to this, but we also really trust that there's a really great purpose for Maddie's life, and we also don't feel like we necessarily deserve any. We don't necessarily deserve perfect, healthy kit. Like we don't feel entitled to that. We're just thankful she's alive and that she's such a joy to be with, and you know. It may be in an ongoing relationship that's a conversation that could have led to something more eventually. But just an example of instead of like just drawing all the lines in which we're morally different, instead just saying there's some things we've built our lives on that are
0: different, right? And doing it in a way that is self-revealing and gracious and not judgmental. You demonstrated in that moment your joy in the midst of a difficult situation, right? As juxtaposed to his, um. Imagining you walking around bitter and angry the rest of your life, yeah.
1: His, you know, which then revealed some of the things that he values in life
0: the most. And and I would argue, not that you can't do both, but I would argue that speaks way more to somebody than telling them what type of movies you don't watch, (laughs) that they do. You know, right. So, all right. Well, let's shift a little bit. So, what does friendship for you look like? Um. Host someone having a a conversion experience where they come to know Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and so h- how does it change? How does it differ? Does it differ? What what does it look like for you?
1: Well, I think you know friends friends encourage each other, right? That's a that's a big thing that we're supposed to do. Yeah, and I think that I was saying this in the message on Sunday. Um, Christian friends should exhort each other. When if you overhear Christian friends. Sorry, encouraging each other. If you overhear Christian friends encouraging each other, there should be something unique about it from the way everyone else encourages each other. So a lot of encouragement out there is just like, hey, you're doing a great job. You're trying your hardest. You got this. Uh, man, I really love the way you paint or cook or what, right? So it's it's very you-centered. It's very pat on the back. Christian encouragement is rooted in something much more deeper than your performance, right? Right. So Christian encouragement includes reminding people of Jesus' performance and His work, and and saying and just reminding people, hey, you've been created in God's image, and uh, Jesus chose you before the found. And I actually prayed this over a Christian friend recently that Jesus chose this person before the foundations of the earth. He chose them to love them and to save them, and he, and and He placed His Spirit within them to seal him for the day of redemption and to encourage them with that. Also, Christians encourage each other with the hope of the resurrection, with the return of Christ, with the hope of heaven. So I do think that as you make the transition into um, a discipling someone in Christ, not just to Christ, your language and your dialogue begins to shift more to shared um, belief, Right? And so that's a big part of it. And then, so there's encouraging, but then there's also exhorting. And if encouraging is like patting on the back, then exhorting is kind of like the swift kick to the pants. And every now and then, and I probably have to do this to you twice a day, I have to call you out, usually publicly in front of strangers. (laughs) No, but every now and then-
0: That's more helpful. You know,
1: you and I are good enough friends that we've had hard conversations at times to say, hey, when you said that, I feel like it was exposing this thing about yourself. Like, I feel like- you responded that way because maybe you love this too much. Um, and there's ways to do that. And of course you and I have foundation of strong friendship. If you don't have strong friendship, that can actually be a real challenge.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it it is hard when you use some of the explicit language that you, you tend to use when you well, call I, me out.
1: I know what it takes to get your attention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that, man. I, I think that's so true. And, um, that's kind of I, I feel like do you do you agree with this? Do you think that's in some ways the definition of a strong friendship is when you can move from just encouragement to what was the second word you used? Exhorting. Exhorting. So when you move from encouragement to exhorting, that's kind of the test I feel like of are you really friends? Cuz if I can't if I can't exhort you or or mm-hmm. confront you about something I'm feeling and like that's the test if you can't get through that and it's like ah i guess we weren't really as strong as we we thought we were or this person wasn't really ready for a friendship you know and so do you agree with that i do and i think french you know the bible says that the
1: faithful are the wounds of a friend right and the bible talks about speaking the truth in love and i mentioned on sunday that some you see this a lot with teenagers and college students but even adults Sometimes friends won't be honest with each other because they love the friendship too much to risk it. That's yeah. actually really selfish, right? Yeah. And friendship is, uh, is an invitation to stop thinking about yourself and thinking about others. And so when you won't be honest with somebody, speak, uh, speak your truth, but speak it from a, pe- a place of love. Right. And say, and of course there's, we could do a whole podcast on how do you speak the truth and love to people. And, and, and I'm very careful about how I say things and how I bring things to people for the most part. But if you're unwilling to, to say to your friend, Hey, I think you're headed towards a cliff, so to speak. Right. Because you don't want to rattle them on their nice little jaunt towards that cliff, right. or you don't want to, you don't want them to leave you behind, so to speak. So, you know, Having a selflessness about friendship allows you to speak the truth to your friends and even risk losing them for their own good. Yeah. We do this as parents, right? All the time. Yeah. where you know, it doesn't make our kids happy when we correct them or when we don't let them have three desserts, or we don't let them stay up till midnight. but we don't do it because of a lack of love. In fact, there are kids who are not loved by their parents who do all those things. They don't go to bed and they eat whatever they want but they know they're you know intuitively they know they're not loved and cared for.
0: Yeah. I heard Jordan Peterson talking about marriage and he said in his in his counseling he said, you know, in marriage you've got to be willing to fight a thousand fights so that you don't have to get to the the war, you know. Mm-hmm. And his whole concept was like basically if you're in a, if you're in a marriage and you're unwilling to fight have fights over the little things that are frustrating you, that are bothering you, and you just let it go unsaid. And this is true of friendship as well. All that will happen is resentment will build up. And eventually, like, it'll get so big that it turns into a war and, and the war turns into disaster. And I think that's true of marriage, but it's also true of friendship. It's like if you really love the person and care about them and view it as a selfless relationship, then you've got to be willing to sometimes have those little fights and 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 um, do it because you know I love you enough that I want you to know how I'm feeling. It doesn't mean they're always in the wrong. I want you to know how I'm feeling, and I want us to be stronger. I want you to be stronger because this is what I think God has said who you are and, and what he has planned for you.
1: Yeah. I think as Tim Keller said that truth without love is imperious self-righteousness, but love without truth is cowardly self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a much more simple way of understanding that is that truth without love can't be heard because it's just sort of like, let me tell you everything that I know that's wrong with you, but we don't have a relationship or, or you don't trust my motives. Right? right. And then love without truth is sort of like, it's, it's dancing around stuff. It's trying to be nice, but nice and kind are not the same thing. Right. Nice keeps the peace at any cost. But kind does the kindest thing for the other person at any cost, including sometimes the cost of irritating them and frustrating them and annoying them. But listen, if all your friends, if you're listening and you think, all my friends always agree with me and they never push back on any of my ideas and they've watched me jump from unhealthy relationship to unhealthy relationship or unwise decision, unwise decision, and none of them say anything. They support me on the front end. They support me on the back end. You got a bunch of cheerleaders around you, but you don't really have friends and they're Mm. certainly not going to disciple you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I love the fact that I have been the Jonathan to you, David, and I've lifted mm. you up. I've uh, I've I've sacrificed my own my own position so that you could have position. And uh, and I think, you know, I I do it. I think God's honoring me in that. So what do you think? I think you're confused.
1: <laughs> I think you're thinking about my message on Sunday with Jonathan and David and you are projecting
0: yourself into that text. <laughs> oh, was I doing that? <laughs> well, yeah. listen, it was a good message. You guys can check that out, by the way. Look up Trinity Assembly God. You can listen to that sermon. It's a great sermon on friendship. And uh, um, I am I am thankful for your friendship, David. And we should share as we're closing out, we're going to move into our David's Eats portion. Mm-hmm. Um, we should share one of the new, one of the things that keeps our friendship alive is that we, we like to do new things together. And recently uh-huh. we've dove into a new pastime, a new hobby, if you will. Yeah. Called Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Now, this originally started as time spent with our kids. It's
1: at the behest of our children,
0: but it's blossomed into something much more.
1: Yes, after our kids in bed, we may run a couple battle royales together.
0: Together, yeah. and we've had a few victories.
1: We have. We're, we're we're finding our way. What's your favorite? What's your favorite gun for? Now, some of you are probably going to tune out because you don't play Fortnite, but some of you know. What's your favorite gun to fight with? Well,
0: I, I like the assault rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Just a classic, you know? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my question for you, though. This is where I'm connecting this to David's Eats. Okay. When you're playing, what, do you have like a favorite little snack to go with you? <laughs> Listen, I'm so bad right now. I cannot <laughs>
1: distract myself with anything else. So, no.
0: Do you eat while you're playing? I mean, I, I like a good snack every really? now and then as I'm, as I'm maybe some chips or, I mean, you know, I know you're doing no How, carb right yeah,
1: now. Yeah. No, the last couple of nights, I, I mean, what I've been doing is I've been – we we got from Costco this big jug of, like, these little mozzarella balls and okay. oil. And this is going to sound weird to some people, but then I'll get, like, some pickled jalapenos. Okay. And I'll just – I'll eat, like, a piece of cheese with a piece of jalapeno on it. It's kind of like a deconstructed jalapeno popper. Yeah,
0: I like that. And
1: uh, so I've been snacking on that. So if you need a snack, that's the snack I've been going to recently. But when I'm playing Fortnite um, – It takes all of my energy and focus. I can't be eating food. Plus, then your hands get all greasy and you're trying to hold the controller.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, everybody, this has not been helpful to you, I'm sure, at all. We're terrible at Fortnite. Find as friend as on Fortnite. But, (laughs) But hopefully the friendship piece was helpful. We appreciate you guys listening to the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you next time.